Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, this is the Spirit Doctor, Kelly Sparta, and you are listening to Spirit Sherpa, the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me is Janine Bolin, and we are going to be talking about Walking the Medicine Wheel with Shamans, an international guide to your own healing journey. Welcome, Janine. Thanks so much for having me today. We're going to have lots of fun, I can tell. Oh, well, I'm excited because, you know, what isn't exciting about that topic? I know my my listeners are chomping at the bit. They love this stuff. Uh, you, but you have to explain to me why it is an international guide to your own healing journey. I have to I have to understand that first. Well, primarily because when I was first introduced to the medicine wheel, I was living in Japan. My father was in the Navy, and so we were transferred all over the world. And it was interesting that when I first saw what would be called a Native American wheel, I immediately went, oh, look at the beautiful mandala, you know, not knowing that, that this was called a medicine wheel. And so it was through that time and the experiences that I had traveling around in uh, Europe, as well as the Yucatan Peninsula, and then through very many Buddhist uh, communities, that I realized that the wheel is something that is almost endemic to the human experience, especially when it comes to spirituality and moving within. Yeah, well, and and I didn't give our listeners your um, your bio here, and I do want to fill them in on that because um, it's it's really interesting. So uh, Janine is her she's known as Dancing Crow, and she's a scientist, an author, a podcaster, a shaman, a bell dancer. That's bell dancer, not belly dancer. Not belly. Bell. It's a bell. We I have a outfit that has over five hundred bells on it, and so that's what I use in ceremony. 
Oh my God, that's so cool. Okay, we've, we've definitely got to talk about that too. And a, a first chakra healer, so specifically first chakra. It, it says that she was in, initiated into the Thunder Clan after being struck by lightning at the age of eight. Holy crap, woman. Okay, and then after spending 20 plus years working with an enlightened Hindu guru and the Native American grandmothers and grandfathers, she received her spiritual dispensation and now provides shamanistic and spiritual healing for relationships, wealth and life path transformations. And bring your intentions for the life changes that you want to share with others, and she will guide you in creating blog posts, books, online courses, and schools. I, I don't even know where to start. This is this is so cool. Okay, so I I have to know. I'm going to start with the first chakra healer thing because you know I do a lot of lower chakra work myself, and I'm it's rare, as you well know, to find someone who works in the lower chakras. Most people are doing heart chakra up, right? Correct. Right. So talk well, about that for our listeners. Well, and that's why you and I connected, Kelly, because that was one of the things I recognized immediately about you was the fact that you do work in the lower chakras, and that's where the implementation phase is. So we can think, we can have amazing thoughts, we can have heart-centered thoughts, we can be in all of that, but when it comes to actually bringing it into manifestation, that's the lower three. I focus on the first uh, chakra because that's where money, survival, and sex is. And I always say in my episodes and in my sessions, I can't help you with your sex life, but I can help you with your money. And a lot of people go, it's amazing how one really affects the other, that if the money's doing okay, that people are a little bit more loving <laughs> toward one another. So that was a, what one of the friends of mine said at the back of one of my, <laughs> one of my seminars I was giving. But that is why I choose the first chakra is because I started writing books, Money, It's Not Just for Rich People, and then I wrote six more books after that. Uh, and it was basically on the 60-40 principle, how to live debt-free. And this was all back in the dark ages of 2003 is what I like to say to people. So I've been teaching money for a very long time. There's so much in the the first chakra. In fact, when we do our energy scans, um, one of the things we look at is how people are manifesting. And it does. It starts at that root chakra and works its way up. And you're right. That second and third chakra is where it usually just goes way off the rails, um, often around deserving issues and, you know, uh, not good enough issues and all the I have to earn it and the blah, 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 blah. Right. It's all the stuff. And so I, I'm always so happy to hear somebody who's talking about money in the spiritual world because there is such a smog of poverty in the spiritual community, and it is so hard to drag yourself out of it. And so I'm always happy to amplify anybody who's talking about money. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I, I would like to address what you just said regarding uh, the the smog that's around that. Uh, please realize it, it came from Europe. A lot of that came from Europe because in order to be able to be the spiritual person you wanted to be, you had to have a patron of some kind. If you didn't have a patron, then you were like St. Francis. You were running around the streets of Assisi uh, with your beggar's bowl out, hoping somebody would cast off some bread for you so you could go build the church outside the city for the, for the impoverished. Because there was so much compassion in the Dark Ages by the light workers of that era, and because they were wanting to help the masses and, the, and they saw the suffering, of course, they moved moved into the state of poverty to be able to do that to help people where they were and to be seen as okay. So it's one of those things is it's like 
uh, if you really know your history regarding John the Baptist and Jesus the Christ, one of my favorite things is to talk about uh, we're no longer in the John the Baptist phase where we're running around howling in the desert, screaming at people, yelling and hollering. We're more urbane. We've, we've brought a higher, more civilized era, which was what Jesus the Christ was. It was a little bit more of a urbane teacher, a little bit more socialized, if you will, whereas John the Baptist was running around with his camel hair robes and <laughs> looking like a wild man. <laughs> Sorry, it's just one of those stories. <laughs> depends, on what you, depends on what you're called to do, of course, right? That's true. That's true. What you're called to do, but let's talk a little bit about that beggar's bowl and the age of the beggar's bowl for spiritual people is gone. Uh, there were times where we had kings that were being awakened and enlightened. And I love the Buddha for that because the Buddha was a king and he had a queen, he had a son and he walked out of the palace gates and, you know, his whole story is legendary, of course. So we have people from all walks of life who have received their enlightenment, their spiritual dispensation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but and have awoken out of the dream that they were in. And one of those dreams was that uh, time and space and money. Those are the three big ones, aren't they? Yes, they are. And at the same time, the specter of the, the begging bowl still lives on. And it lives on in the, you shouldn't charge for your services as a psychic or a medium or a healer because those are your gifts from God and you should share them with people freely. It's like, well, okay, but you're an engineer and you have an engineer brain, which is your gift from God and you get paid for that. So why should I not get paid for what I got a gift from God from? I don't understand. It makes no sense. But it is the specter of the begging bowl. And and on top of it, it's, you know, the people who tend to be um, sensitive often tend to be hurt a lot more, too. And we tend to end up in codependent spaces, which put us in places where we end up giving away our services instead of charging for them um, as a way to prove our value, right? It's it's that whole thing. And this is all the work that I talk to people about. But there's there's so much. It's such a rich context. And I love the 60-40 rule that you've got. You know, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I, I, I adore that. Okay, I would be happy to. The 60-40 principle is a way of handling money that comes to you from an unexpected source. So this is not the way you handle your paycheck, although at one point it would be good if you would be able to live on only 60% of your income. But at some point, you are going to receive money that is not from your paycheck. And the 60-40 principle allows you to divvy it up so that you can pay down your debt, you can put money into savings because you cannot get out of debt unless you're saving money at the same time. I know that that is, does not make sense to a lot of people. It's not rational, but it is true. You must be saving money and paying down your debt at the same time. And when you make that commitment, it's amazing then how your financial situation really uh, goes further. And I'd like to share with people, you can't find this on Google. So if you Google me, you won't see this website pop up. But if you go to financialfirstresponse.com, I have a whole plethora of videos that you can watch that explain the 60-40 principle very clearly. And then there's even opportunity for you to get on a quick uh, Zoom call with me and you can talk about whatever financial situation you're in and if you want some assistance. Yeah, that Janine's the bomb, babes. Okay, so I have to ask you, uh, it says you, you study with the Native American grandmothers and grandfathers. You, you, 
you need to tell us what that means specifically. So because a lot of people don't know what that means. Right. So when you move into tribal communities, there are different hierarchies. And so one of the things that was delightful for me as a recovering Catholic, (laughs) working with Hindu gurus, there's a whole lexicon and a whole hierarchy. Uh, When you work with uh, Native Americans, the same way. Also, each tribe has their own way they approach those hierarchies and what they use for those hierarchies. So when you are working with Native Americans of the North American continent. Anyway, when you mention grandmothers and grandfathers, that's more from uh, the plains, uh, Native Americans than other coastal regions. But they talk about the beings that there are eight grandfathers and four grandmothers, according to some traditions. Now, it is not this homogeneic as I'm making it sound. Um, what I'm doing is I'm approaching you and sharing with you the medicine wheel that I was shown, the visions that I have had, when I've gone to Native Americans, they would then fill out the visions I had, but with their particular understandings and tribal focus. And so I always encourage people, if you want to know the way the Navajo think, then I suggest you go with the Navajo shaman. If you want to understand the paradigm that's with the mosquito tribe, you go to the mosquito tribe. Because I have had to take so many different types of visions and different personalities and people and mash them together. And so to answer your question, I kind of had to give all that as a caveat to answer your question, because I am not native American and I'm, I'm recovering Irish Catholic. Uh, when I when I first started meditating, I started having these visions, and I didn't know who these people were. And it was through the help of a Shoshone medicine man, a Lakota, and a Dakota shaman, that the three of them would sit around and educate me on on the visions that I was having over the course of three years after I woke up, because I was being given a divine purpose to go out and help. Uh, the Native American community. Okay, I was bringing East and West together is what I was told. You were bringing the Eastern understandings of meditation and internal uh, work to the Western nations and at the same time bringing in some of that Hayoka or trickster medicine with that. And so since I was struck by lightning, I was considered one of the crazy ones, which is we're given a divine purpose, we know who we are, and we operate the way we're supposed to. Uh, and a lot of times that's freaking annoying when you are not in a good mood and you have somebody bouncing around in front of you going, life is happiness and gay, and you're like, shut the beep off. I don't want to listen to you anymore. Or maybe you're in a really happy mood and you're goofing off and messing around. And I, as the clown, happen to see that we're about ready to go into ceremony and I bust on you because you're not taking it seriously enough. So it's uh, the job of the clown a lot of times is to balance the energies that are there or to harmonize the fact that you have 32 different nations being represented in this one sacred ceremony. And it's our job to do the harmonization. Doesn't always work. Because, you know, people are people. <laughs> so the grandmothers and grandfathers are the hierarchy or what we would call uh, the, I hate to use the word God because they're not gods. They're actually the the embodiment of the different forces of the planet. So the grandfathers have the grandfather above and below and north, south, east, west. And then you have grandmother ant, grandmother spider, grandmother buffalo. I mean, there's like, just depends on the tribe you're working with as to what grandmother is called in. and all that. So the two biggest ones for me were grandfather of the West and grandmother spider. Uh, those were the two teachers that I had. 
Yeah. Have we had that conversation? I don't yeah, I don't know if we have or not, but that's the, those were the two I had and then it expanded from there. But those were the two that called me into service. So grandmother spider is who called me into shamanism. Okay. There you go. Yep. Yeah. That's how I ended. I, I got a tattoo of her on my back and yeah, it's, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Did, are you past that stage? Do you know what yes. the next stage is? Yeah. I'll be happy to share with you and your listeners the next stage after that. So most shamans operate in what we call the astral plane and the astral plane is where you can find, um, you can find the energetic influence of non-physical beings. So folks that have lived on the planet before, or you want to talk with your ancestors, or there are teachers in that field, but it's a very noisy channel. There's a lot going on, as you and I both know. And so on the astral plane, you have all that noise going on, and you can have spirits there that are mischievous and have absolutely nothing more they want to do than to just drive around in somebody else's body. Or you have spirits that are there that actually do want to communicate with loved ones and stuff like that. And so it's very noisy. It's like a AM radio. So to move up to the frequencies, then you want to move to the causal plane. And then when you move up to the causal plane, that's moving into FM. And when you're there, it's a lot quieter. There's a lot calmer music. But that's where telepathy is slow. So when you know how much you get downloaded when you're in the astral plane as a shaman, you know how it's so fast. Well, you kind of have to get prepped and ready for the causal plane because there, telepathy is as slow there in that realm as the spoken language is to telepathy. You move up by a factor. And when you're in the causal plane, one of the challenges is you lose language, that you're actually at a frequency where you are not speaking English or Chinese. You don't form words. Words are limiting. That's where you lose a lot of your labels. Uh, A lot of shamans or mystics that come back from the causal plane, it takes them a while before they can start speaking again because they have been so, some people will say they've been in the fourth dimension or fifth dimension. As a physicist, we can argue on some of those topics but i won't i will i will just say that that it's not so much that you've moved dimension is you have moved beyond the realm of space and time this is a man-made construct and so when you move out of that to say that oh i'm a fourth dimensional being i'm like you're still in space and time yo and they're like oh but my people are fifth dimensional beings We're still in space and time yo still haven't hit that causal thing well i am operating in the 22nd level i'm like i sure you are And I do not in any way say that you aren't because I know you are. Otherwise, you wouldn't have spoken it. However, what is the language that you use when you're there? And that's when people get tongue tied. And then I'll go, okay, yeah, you have been there. You understand what I'm saying there. Um, Enlightenment is that you know that you know that you know. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says to you. There isn't a shred of doubt because you've left all that behind. As you move up the frequencies from the astral plane to the causal plane, you are 100% vulnerable. If you think you are 100% authentic on this planet and you're doing your best to be that way, you will learn what true vulnerability is in the causal plane because every thought that you think can be heard by everyone around you. Form is very light. There's very little form. There is uh, almost no astral body. The only reason that you see form is because it's being presented to you so that you will understand what's happening to you. 
All right. So after the causal plane, then there's a level above that. And I call that pure positive potential, or you'll see it in my books where I talk about the white space. And that one is almost impossible to talk about because it requires words and you're beyond the experience at that level is so far beyond anything. It's basically merging into all that is. And you'll hear people talk about uh, moving into the white light and coming back, usually they've gone to the astral plane at that point or maybe tipped into the causal. But uh, it's, it's very rare that you will find people that have have been into the white space in that way um, and then have come back from that because it's so alluring. Um, many of the mystics that reach that space will come back just long enough to put their affairs in order and they leave because they know their job is done. And so don't feel like you're missing out on anything because believe it or not, this is the ride, people. Planet Earth is the ride. We stood in line for thousands of years to have an opportunity to ride the ride that is called Planet Earth, third rock from the sun, epic adventure, 365 days a year, 24-7. That's what we did. This is our Disneyland. And I'm so sorry that some of you are suffering at Disneyland, but sometimes people do drop an ice cream cone and sometimes somebody does get pickpocketed and just realize that life will get better for you and that when you when you die, there is other, there are amazing other worlds there. But I don't want you to get too locked up into that. Have a lot of fun here because this is the only place in the universe that operates this way. Which is really freaking cool. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I keep talking about how we're living the best video, you know, VR experience there is. Right. You know, it's a holographic VR experience and, and with, with full sensory input. So, um, and that's the best yeah. part, right? Because now we have inception, right? Now you're in a soul, you, you have a soul and you're in a body and now you can do a VR of in the VR and right. And then in the VR, in the VR. And it's like those movie, the movie inception. I absolutely love that movie because I was like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's exactly how the planes of existence operate. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. It was so fun. Right? I love that. So, uh, you know, we're 32 minutes into the show. <laughs> We haven't addressed the the uh, healing journey that we had, to, you know, promised at the very beginning. Um, so, you know, why don't we talk about that? <laughs> okay. Well, the healing journey. We were talking a little bit about the astral plane, the causal plane, and beyond. Okay. So there are technically some people say there are four planes of existence. Well, there's four planes of existence that we can talk about with words. Let me just say it that way. You actually have to experience the alternative planes of existence, and you're welcome to do so, but realize there's really no rush because they're there for you whenever you want to go there. So it's not like you have to really run through this life or do anything special or be special. The healing journey is all about understanding that you're here on this planet for two reasons, and I've talked to you about this before, and that is you're here to have fun and you're here to create. So as a shaman, I ask you five questions when you come to me for healing. The first one was, when was the last time that you sang? The second one is, when was the last time you danced? The third one is, when was the last time you wrote something? And the fourth one is, what are you eating? What does your diet look like? And the fifth one is, who do you live with? Those five questions will help me diagnose pretty much 99% of the problems that might present themselves to you. And I always leave this question out because everybody knows I ask this one. It's just one of those things. It's like, how's the meditations? 
And if somebody comes to me with a problem, I can guarantee you the first question I ask, how's your meditation? They're going to roll their eyes a little bit and go, not as consistent as it could be. Yeah, well, you think you've answered your own question. So there, I've saved you $75. (laughs) (laughs) You can't know yourself unless you meditate. I have yet to meet anybody who was enlightened that didn't meditate. Now, meditation is different for different people. Uh, Brother Lawrence became enlightened when he looked upon a tree, but that man had said the rosary two or three times a day for 20 years. So that is a form of meditation. So it doesn't mean you have to be locked in a room by yourself just going om, om, om on the floor on a mat. You can be sitting in a very comfortable Lazy Boy chair, but you do need time with your own thoughts because the matrix is very engaging. So when it comes to the healing journal journey, we have been tiptoeing around it quite a bit with several of the things you've talked about, Kelly. Um, but it's those are the five questions that almost every shaman I know asks other people, especially if you are not feeling well or especially if you are in a state of disease. So, yeah, I was going to say, I'm not a good sit meditator and, you know, sitting meditator. I did it for a while and then, um, I just sort of fell out of it. I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I carried the energy of change. So doing any habitual thing for any length of time doesn't work for me. So I tend to morph from one thing to the next, but I always am doing something that is self-reflective, that is, you know, being in the moment and thinking things through. And it's, it's to the point now where I've been doing it for so long that it's, it's almost moment by moment, right? Um, I do still have quiet times that I take, but they are not formal meditation. It's all go sit in the hot tub or I'll lay in bed in the morning before I get up and just be, or at night before I go to sleep and just be, you know? Um, so, you know, there, there's still points that I take advantage of in my day that are not like, Oh my God, I have to take an hour to meditate, which I, you know, a lot of my, my people are like, oh, I can't, I can't. Right. <laughs> so, you know, walking meditation is good. You know, dancing is a meditation, right? Um, I love to dance. I love to sing all of these things. So, yeah. So the, yeah, this is one of those things that a lot of people don't, they, they get too strung up in their own heads about, um, oh, you've got to do it right. You got to, got to be perfect. It's like, no, no you just got to pay attention. It's, it's just about tuning in and paying attention. I mean, it's so easy to not pay attention in our, our day-to-day lives and with all the distractions. And it's gotten so much harder since the smartphone and the computer and everything else. It was so much easier when I was younger to be still than it is today because of the technology. So um, I, I acknowledge that that's the case and it makes it even more important. So, and, you know, you've got me half up. <laughs> you started talking about the causal plane and I'm like, Whoa. I'm like, I'm, I'm like up now. So I'm, I'm like half out of my body. So if I'm babbling, you guys know why, because I'm still, I'm, I'm, I need to come back down, but I don't want to yet. (laughs) So I'm doing my thing here. So anyway, um, so Janine, if you were to give our listeners a single thought for what they could do for their own healing, the one thing that you would think would be the most relevant to them, what would you give them? Uh, the thing that I, I um, frequently am called to share is you are enough. I, there's nothing you can add because it's like, 
you are enough. And for some reason, we are told the exact opposite uh, a lot through subliminal messaging, through uh, people who don't know how to love unconditionally because that's just where they are. You know, we could go into all the details of all of that, but really when people stand in my presence, I look at them as that whole beautiful being that I know them to be and they are enough as they are, which is why when somebody says, I can't do that because X, Y, Z, and I don't care what their justification is. I look at them and it says, that's okay. I love you anyway. Nanner, nanner, nanner. There's nothing you can do about that which drives my kids absolutely out of their mind because if they're upset with me and I'm going, nanner, 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 I love you anyway, because it doesn't matter what your behavior is. I'm going to love you because I know that you are a part of me just as I am a part of you. But that's that part of the beyond the causal plane experience. I know how we're all connected. Now, there are moments I forget, especially if I'm hungry and I'm tired and I need a shower and I'm feeling grungy. I'm not really at my best in that moment. And I, I'm not remembering the lessons I'm now sh- sharing with you now. And that's where a Kelly needs to come into my life and go, just take a deep breath. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, all right. Got a little human there. So that's why it's difficult to tell if anybody is enlightened. You know if you are or not. And if you have to ask me, am I enlightened? The answer is no. You will know when you are. When you are. It's one of the most frustrating and the most edifying things that ever happens to a shaman is when one of their students catches them in a moment like you just described and says, you know, a wise person once told me and then parrots you back to yourself. (laughs) And you're like, fuck. Yes, I know. I know. (laughs) Thank you. I know I needed to hear that right now, but fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) Like I said. Being a clown is very annoying. <laughs> I, I am sad to say, I'm sad and proud to say that that has happened to me on more than one occasion. You bet. Exactly. <laughs> I'm human too. I forget. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, it's the, it's the most frustrating and the most edifying. It's like, yeah, you were listening, you heard, and you caught me. <laughs> being human okay that's great you know it's if we're not human from time to time anyway we we become untouchable i think it's important i think it's important to be human um you know even if even if the day comes which i doubt but even if the day comes when i don't have to be human all the time i I will still be human because it's half the fun it's all the fun actually Okay, well, we have been round the, the bend and back again. And um, so I'm just going to say, give them the, the website that you gave them earlier, and then tell them where else they can find you to. Financialfirstresponse.com. And another place that you can go is The Eight Gates, and that's The, T-H-E, and then at the number eight, and then G-A-T-E-S dot com. And there, if you go to the eight gates, you can sign up for my 10 Steps to Abundance course. And then that's where you'll find all my books and all my courses and the things that I offer. So that'll be cool too. Awesome. So this has been so much fun. Oh my God. All right. We're totally going to have to do this again. So... Thank you for being on the show. I can't tell you how much fun I've had. I I just said it twice and I don't normally say that. You don't know that because you haven't listened to my podcast, but my listeners know that. They're going to be like, oh my God, she really liked this lady. 
So yes, in fact, I really like you. It's, it's good. So, um, and, and so, you know, I think Janine gave us the wrap up and I'm just going to go with that. And that's all we have for this week. So tune in next time when I share another episode on energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Kelly Sparta here with Janine Bolin, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, everyone. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon. Within my car, I'm all alone. But feeling good and feeling strong. Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself. I'm driving. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half, guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.